Yeah, all of you are doing this back there in the back. Okay. Anyway, why would I show you all these uh, silly videos? Because we're going to talk about fishing today. Let's go fishing. Bill Dance is uh, one of the premier fishermen out there. <laughs> you never know it from some of these videos, but uh, uh, he is. I love, I love what he would say. Part of what do you say about the jig? You got you to gotta work it. You got to get that lure to work, right? Sometimes you do this and then you stick in your foot. Who goes fishing without shoes on? I don't know, but I guess he does. And then what do you say about, about the, uh, bat, with the battery? He says, you got to be what? Prepared. That's right. You got to be prepared. And so you just, somebody moves the boat and off he goes. Those things happen. But we're going to talk a little bit about fishing today and we're going to talk about how you and I can be fishers of men. But before we go any further, let's hold up our Bibles. I'm a child of God. I have right here in my hand the powerful Word of God. And it can do several things. Change my heart. Change my focus. And help me be the Christian I need to be. Now here's our prayer. Lord Jesus today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Turn to your neighbor and give them a pound or a high five. Encourage them. All right. Make sure you don't have any hooks in your hand when you give it to them over there. Now I want you to look at your neighbor and say, let's go fishing. Now look at your other neighbor and say, today. All right. I've been fishing uh, Brother Don and uh, Warren Ray took me out fishing. In fact, that's the last time they've ever taken me fishing, now that, I, now that I think about it. We went out, and I think half the fun is just getting out there. I don't know that fishing is, they, they're into it. I was sitting in the middle of the boat, which I don't quite understand why they put me in the middle. <laughs> so the angler's on each end. <clears throat> And uh, we're just cruising along there and having a great time and just wonderful conversation. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, I believe it was Brother Warren looked at me and said, Well, preacher, you're going to pull in that fish. And I said, What fish? Well, just because my pole was like this, you know. <laughs> he said, Well, you might want to reel that in. Sure enough, there was a fish on the end of it. I had no idea. That shows you. That's probably why they never took me back. So, but anyway, uh, fishing, obviously not one of my strong suits, but uh one fishing that I like to do, I want to talk to you about today. And we read it in Mark 1, uh, 16 through 20 this morning. Winning men to Christ is compared to several things in the Bible. A shepherd going after lost sheep, a farmer planting seed, a tree bearing fruit, a person searching for a lost coin, someone rescuing from a fire, and then... A fisherman catching fish. Jesus, in our text in verse 17, looks at Peter and Andrew and he says, Come after me and I will make you fishers of men. It's important that we learn to fish for men. And fishing and winning people have some connections. Fish are like people. They really are. In Habakkuk 1.14 it says, And God made men as the fishes of the sea. Fish are everywhere. They're everywhere. Men are everywhere. So as the, as the fish of the sea. 
You might say, well, preacher, we're not in the sea. Well, yes, we really are. According to Genesis 1-7 and Psalm 148 in verse 4, we are all underwater. Because when God separated the sky and the, and the earth and the water here, it made an umbrella of moisture. And so we are un, in water all the time. So fish are people. Fish are plentiful. Plentiful. In Luke chapter 5, verses 4 and 6, it says, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answers, said, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great multitude of fish and their nets broke. You remember that story, don't you? And if you're a fisherman and you're trying and, you, and you've been going at it all night long, and then some clown shows up and says, well, just throw it on the other side, you're going to look at them and put a pop knot on their head, aren't you? <laughs> But they did. And when they did, and don't you know how they felt when they took the nets up? Don't you know they were gritting their teeth when they all turned around to throw them on the other side of the boat? And yet when they threw them on the other side of the boat, what happened? As it says, great multitude of fish. Their nets began to break. What do they learn from that? Well, I'm not sure what they learned. But there's a couple of things we can learn. Number one is that fish often run in schools, don't they? You catch one, you might catch another one. If I'm going to go fishing, I want to catch something. <clears throat> There's no reason to go out there and sit for hours in the hot sun, baking on a, on a water, and not catch something. Now, there's some people that just, my, my oldest brother, he loves to just go. He doesn't care if he catches a thing. He just likes to be away from everybody. And that's okay, too. But, you know, that's, uh, everybody uh, approaches it different. And there are more fish being born every day than there are being caught. Jesus said it this way, the fields are white unto harvest. So there's more people to be caught, there's more people to be won than we are winning. Are you with me? So there's a great opportunity for us. Fish are people, fish are plentiful, and thirdly, fish are prized. In Matthew 17, 27, it says, Go you to the sea and cast a hook and take up the fish that comes up first, and when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. There are valuable things within fish. They can provide food. The fish oil is good for your body. There's just lots of things that fish can give you. There's some fish you don't want to eat. But now if you're the one that, the one that I just don't like to eat, I don't know if it's a fish or not, but it's called a mud bug or crawdad. Huh. Easy now, sister. I knew I was going to get somebody to rise up over there. When I did revival in Orange, Orange Field, Texas, in Orange, Texas, they took me to the mud bug capital of the world. And they said, Preacher, we're going to get a platter of mud bugs for you. I said, Don't waste your time. And I said, What am I going to do with mud bugs? Because they put about 150 of them on a platter, right? Because there ain't enough meat in any of them to, to cost to say you've had something to eat. Any of you eating crawdads, mud bugs? All right. How many of you love them? Woo, look at those hands go up. Well, God bless you. I'll buy you a platter. Boy, you can have them, and I'll eat the hush puppies that come with them. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But I knew I had drawn the line when the old boy said, just snap the head off and suck that stuff right out of there. I said, brother, there ain't no snapping and sucking going on here today. Mm-mm. Now, I know it's good. He was, oh, he was lathered up over there. Boy, I couldn't believe it. But you know what? Hallelujah. It's all what you are growing up with, isn't it? It's all what you grow up with. But he saw those as valuable. They were trophies. 
Boy, we can have these. Mm -mm -mm. They even have crawdad festivals down there. And they have a big old crawdad in a, in a suit walking down the street. It's awesome. It's awesome. But you know what? If we will fish for people, they become valuable to the church. New members, new, new converts. They're wonderful. They're great laborers. They're, they create new labor bases. They bring new and fresh ideas. They bring those talents, those treasures, those gifts right to the church. Hallelujah. So we should be about that business. And there's a lot of information about fishing in the Bible. Several of the apostles were fishermen. Jesus ate fish. He gave lessons on how to catch fish. And the same principles and techniques used to catch fish apply to us as we win souls for Christ. Let me give you four or five of them. Some laws of catching fish. Number one, plan and prepare. Not necessarily like Bill Dance, <laughs> but plan and prepare. Make sure the boy don't move the boat when you're ready to put the battery in. Plan and prepare. What does that mean when you're talking about soul winning? It means schedule. People go fishing because they set a time to go. When Don and Warren came, to, they said, Preacher, we're going to go fishing. I said, great. What time? They said, 521. I said, hey, hey, afternoon? No, early. Got to get on that lake early. I said, why? They said, because they don't bite till right about then. And when they're biting, and they're done at 10 o'clock. I said, how do they know it's 10 o'clock? I'm an old city boy. You got to talk to me about these fish. How do fish know it's 10 o'clock? But I guess they do. Because at 10 o'clock, we were done, and they were done, and so we were done. Amen? But you know, scheduling is the important thing. People go fishing, and they set a time of day to do it, and it's important because they go when the fish are biting. They're hungry. You've got to go feed them something, and you've got to have the right equipment. Rods, reels, lines, sinkers, bobbers, tackle box, lures, hooks, bait, boats. Man, you've got to have it all, don't you? Shoes would help. Amen? <laughs> That's right. There you go. If you didn't learn anything, you learned that. And you got to study. You got to schedule. You got to be equipped. And you got to study. You got to pray. You got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings into our heart our tackle box, our toolbox, if you would. Remember that series I shared with you? But our attitudes need to be a part of our study. And God will provide, the Holy Spirit will provide us with love, with joy, with peace, with long-suffering, kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and temperance, if we will but seek it from Him. Those are the gifts of the Spirit that manifest themselves through us as we visit with other people. So we plan and we prepare, and secondly, we need to know the place to go. The place to go. You can go down here to the aquarium, and they have a casting pond out behind the aquarium now i don't know if you catch any fish in that catching casting pond but it's fun to take kids down there and let them cast out there they'll always catch it in their britches you know hopefully not in their hand or something like that but they learn to cast the rod and reel it's fun to do it in the backyard isn't it they tell you take the hooks off and put just a sinker on there so when you go sing it goes through the window it's an exciting thing to do but place is important you can't catch anything if you don't go where the fish are. Or if you don't use the right lure to draw them to where you are. One preacher has said, the more, the more hooks you put in the water, the more chances you have to land a fish. And if there are no fish in the pond, you'll never catch a fish. 
And I had a friend of mine growing up. He said, you want to go fishing? I said, not a fisherman. He said, well, you want to go? I said, sure, why not? And he said, he said all we need is we just need to we use cane poles. I said, cane pole? What's a cane pole? I had no idea. But I also didn't know that the pond was stocked full of, full of fish. And so, I mean, you could hang your finger over there and catch a, foot, catch a fish. So we, we put the, yeah, catch a foot. So we put our cane pole out there and, you know, a little city boy and I get the cane pole and it's got this red, white bobber thing sitting on top and all of a sudden it disappears. And I said, now what do I do? He said, pull it out. So pull it out, big old, I, I never saw a big mouth bass. And I guess I am one of those, a big mouth bass. But boy, that was exciting. It's exciting. But you, I went where the fish were. And so we need to go to the right place. It could be Starbucks. It could be Walmart. It could be a restaurant. It could be, you see what I'm at? It doesn't matter where you are. I stop in occasionally down here at our uh, little quick trip, Jinx uh, Trojan store here on the corner. Made a friendship with the folks that run that. And I just love to have conversations with them. And it's so fun when I walk in because they know I'm a pastor. And so they always want to talk about spiritual stuff. It's so interesting. You know, while we're sitting amongst the beer and the liquor and all that stuff, they want to talk about Jesus. And I said, that's all right. I'll talk to you. Let's go. You see what? I, it doesn't matter. You've got to go where they are. Amen? And statistically, depending on what part of the country you live in, there's an, the average is, is that you've got to talk to ten people before you'll get one to even listen. So you've got to be about the business of sharing the gospel with people. You've got to be loving them enough and caring them enough to be in the right place. Many fishermen today use a GPS, global positioning system. And they, th that way they know where the fish are. I mean, it's not you can't just throw the hook in there. You've got to have this guide that tells you how deep the water is and how cold the water is. And you've got to look for the certain fish and you've got to see the ice. It's crazy, isn't it? All the stuff that you put in there to do. And the gadgets and gizmos that locate fish. And I want to tell you and submit to you today that God has a GPS built into you and me. And it's called the Holy Spirit. And when you are sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life, guess what? He's going to show you what's going on. He's going to show you how deep you can go. He's going to show you where the fish are if you'll be but sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Well, I just I don't get much uh, uh, movement from the Spirit. Well, probably because you're blocking Him. You're blocking him. You ever thought about turning it on? The GPS won't go anywhere if you don't turn it on. Amen? Shoot some power to it. And your power is prayer. And God will guide you. He will lead you. And the Holy Spirit will prompt you. Jesus can lure fish to the fishermen. He can do it. And He will do it. And that's what's exciting. If we pray, then Jesus will bring them to us. He will. The third... Law of fishing is pull or attraction. Cast the right bait that the fish want and they'll bite. Now, there's certain bait you use to catch certain kinds of fish. Now, I'm not a fisherman, so I need your, your help. If you're going to fish for catfish, what's a good bait to use? Stink bait. If you're going to fish for bass, what's, the, what's a good bait to use? Lures, all right. If you're going to fish for... Now, now, what kind of fish is that where you stick your hand down and grab them and pull them out? That's ignorance is what that is right there. I'm telling you right now. You're supposed to go stick your arm down in the hole that's dark and you don't see it down in there and something's supposed to... You're supposed to grab hold of something after it eats your arm. 
and pull it out of there. Mm-hmm. Boy, there's a lot of fun in that one right there now. Are you with me? <laughs> hey, is, is what we're going after, is the bait we're using going to attract? What might attract fish in Jinx won't attract fish in New York. But I saw something in New York last week that makes me understand that I'm part of the human race. I saw people respond to crisis. And wasn't that awesome? Not a person was lost. I'm telling you, they put, Time Magazine's put Obama on the front of their magazine 14 times. Get that guy off of there and put that captain on the front of that magazine. My goodness. They said his IQ's a genius. Well, I'll go with that. Mainly, he's got a steel, steel nerves to take that plane and put it down in that water. Unbelievable. And everybody walked away. Or at least they lived. Everybody lived. Amen? But I saw something in the people. Because the, the ferry boat drivers, they didn't even hesitate. They saw the plane go in the water. They immediately turned all their boats and went to rescue people. Instantly started rescuing people. And, and they, one guy was interviewed. He said, why did you do that? He said, what do you mean, why did I do that? He said, why didn't I do that? That's the, that's, that's the America I know, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, hallelujah. Don't you bail me out, friend. You come down here and if I can't make it on my own, it's my own fault. Right? That's right. That's right. We need to look at ourselves and we need to look deep in here and see what's going on. But I'll guarantee you there's more of a spiritual issue in our country than there is anything else. But if we're going to go to the lake and we're going to catch perch and catfish... Uh, we're going to go at, at it differently. So we've got to be prepared and we've got to know what pulls folks in. And as a church, we must identify who we're trying to reach. Who is it in Jinx that we're trying to reach? What age group is it? And what, what, what uh, nationality are they? And, and, and what uh, economic strata are they? And who are they? And we need to know that. We need to investigate that. We need to study that. And then we need to act accordingly. Right? Yes, we do. A friend of mine is, uh, they're, they're heading into a, they have a new church that's being started in this community. And so this church that's already there located, the new church that's coming in is coming in to reach the families of the demographic in that city. And in the demographics in that city to make up the largest uh, uh, population are the ages 20 to 40. And so this new church is coming just to reach them. Well, this, this preacher friend of mine, he knows that in the community. And so now he's trying to, to maximize that within his own church. He's got a multi-generational church. And he's got a large segment of older folks. But he's trying to reach the younger folks so that that continues on. Because someday us older folks are going to die off and be gone, aren't we? So we've got to perpetuate leadership. We've got to perpetuate the church in the hearts and lives of our young people. I'm encouraged when I see our young people on the front row. They can sleep better up here. It's good. Don't bother them if they're leaning forward. You'll think they're praying. You know, I've told you that. The only, the only thing that gives them away is that drool spot on the floor. But hey, it's all right. It's like one member told me, said, Man, preacher, I'm glad you put these chairs in. They're patted on their top. And it doesn't hurt my head as much when I'm sleeping. That's all right. That was a joke. Come on. But what will lure people? What is some bait that we can use as the church to lure people? Number one is Christ. Number one is Christ. In John 12, 32 is the section where Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I draw all men unto me. If you're coming to the church because of me, and I, and I know that's why you come week in and week out, is to hear my fabulous preaching, my dynamic 
uh, approach. My personality that's just unbelievable. I know why you come. And, and I'm working past that. I'm working past it. Please. Cindy said if you'd sing every week, they'd have a crowd. I said, okay, all right. But Jesus said, if I be lifted up, there is the draw. Let's lift him up. We must present Christ to people. He is to have preeminence. Secondly, a fisherman never draws attention to himself. I don't see very many fishermen standing up there with a, with a rod and reel and a hook, ready to throw it in the water and go, hey, look at me, fish. <laughs> no, they want to hide so that fish only sees that lure sliding through the water, right? Yeah. They don't draw attention to themselves. So it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. He wants to draw attention to the bait. That's what we need to do is make Jesus the one that draws people. Thirdly, they come seeking solutions to questions. Solutions to questions. People come to Jesus with questions. They have questions. And some of the questions are hard questions. Some of those questions you don't have answers for, I don't have answers for. And so consequently, we, we get frightened at those questions. Don't be frightened because you see, they can't answer the question either. But they're seeking, how are we going to find the answer? Boy, I'll tell you, right here, you'll find it. Now you say, well, I don't know where it is in there. Then it would behoove us to spend a little time here, wouldn't it? I'm telling you what, I've watched fishermen. They, they wax their boat. They clean their rods and reels. I mean, they are meticulous in their, ta their, their tackle box. I mean, everything's in its place. So they can open that drawer and boil it. If it's not, just lay it out. Just, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, they're meticulous about it. We need to be that meticulous about our study and about our involvement in the Word of God. Here is our greatest tool right here. Here it is. Let's get to know it. Another one is that we need to develop friendships and relationships. How genuinely friendly are you? Are you really friendly? Or do you just kind of play at it? You see, you say, well, people at church aren't very friendly. Well, what about you? Do you say something to somebody? I've had people say they don't come here. I mean, they'll come and they won't come back. And I'll stop by. I'll see them in their home or I'll visit them on the phone or email. And I'll say, hey, I miss you. Well, not very friendly down at that place. Okay, you've been friendly. How about you? You friendly? You see what I'm saying? We can all find a good thing to say, can't we? We can all find somebody that looks good. And we can tell them they look good. Even if they don't look good, tell them they look good anyway. Because it's not about the outward appearance. It's about Jesus in them that makes them pretty. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's about that inner beauty that comes out. But friendships, how important are they? And are we developing them? And are we, that's another reason why Sunday nights we're going to make some shifts. We want some natural flow of fellowship to happen. People who love to open their homes, open your home. Invite others to come in. This will be a great time for you to just say, hey, come on, we're going to drink a cup of coffee tonight. Just go do it. I'm starting to see some of that happen among you. And you're, you're telling me about how great it is. Boy, I didn't even know them. Had one sister tell me just last year, I had a couple over. She said, that the, the woman is just so beautiful. And I said, she is, isn't she? And it's not, it's not just the outward beauty. It's that inner beauty that comes out of them. But see, she would have never known that had she had not had them in their home. Are you with me? That's what it's all about. How about love? Love's another one that will lure and attract people. People will go 
where they're loved. In Hosea chapter 11 and verse 4, it says, I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. Boy, that's love, isn't it? That's love. Moms understand that. Somehow moms innately understand that you're supposed to be, you love kids. We're having a ball with our granddaughter at our house. I, boy, she's learning to dance like old G-Daddy does. And boy, and Cindy said, man, that looks a lot like you. I said, good, yeah, that's right. My old left knee is hurting more than it's ever hurt in my life. But boy, I got time to dance with Sister Kelsey right now. That's right. I hope. I mean, just any music comes on, she just starts dancing. I hope that never changes in her. I hope that when she hears any song, she just starts dancing. Because you see, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Letting the dance come out of you. Dance as though nobody's looking at you. Woo! Because some of us dance ugly. I mean, we dance ugly. And I'm one of those. I dance ugly. It's not pretty. My boys used to laugh. They still say, Dad, dance. They only wanted to laugh. They didn't want to really watch me dance. But I'm so goofy, I'd jump up and dance anyway. Why? Because I love it. Got to dance. Just be free to dance. Amen? And love people. Next, significance. People like to know they matter. Take a moment. There's somebody in your church that comes every week that you see. You don't really know them. Take the time. to Go sit by them this week. Right? Somebody new has been visiting. and I'd like to know who they are. Hey. I just talked about friendships. And we're beginning to see people bringing their friends to our church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what it's about. Significance. How about appreciation? There's another one. That's another lure. Is appreciation. Proverbs 27 and verse 2 says, Let another praise you and not your own mouth, someone else, and not your own lips. So you go up and talk about how wonderful you are. Wow, look at that good looking kid. Whew. I looked at Braden, Caleb. That guy's getting tall now. Man, he's about to look his dad over. I can see him. I can see it going through his head. I'm taking you out, man. <laughs> you can see it in his eyes. He's fixing to be in the ninth grade. He's fixing to take his dad out. <laughs> he, he, don't, he turns around. There's his mother. <laughs> I was sister now on, on the basketball court. She'll stand up. She's so, she's so mild. She'll walk around in my arms like this here. But listen, man, when she does this number here and starts stomping that foot, somebody's fixing to die. <laughs> I, hey, I know that look. I know that look. My mother had it. My wife's got it. My children live in fear of that look. But you know, don't let people, don't let you praise yourself. Let others talk about you. So I want to encourage you to talk good about each other. Find a blessing from God and just share it with each other. How about Philippians 2, 3? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Because it's not about you. I'm telling you, the greatest dentist in the whole county, two counties, sitting on that back row, Dale Casting. Remember Brother Russell walking around here and he did, his teeth were hurting, he was taking painkillers. Man, he was fun because he would loop him most of the time. I said, Brother Russell, he was, Pastor. And it was so funny because he, he'd stagger in, Pastor. And he couldn't open his eyes because he was hurting so much. And Dale did a couple of root canals on him. Any of you been there? <laughs> He come in after that, and I said, Russell, how you feeling? Pastor, pastor. <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah, okay, Doug, he gave you some drugs, didn't he? No, no, he said, no pain, no pain, pastor. Because once the pain's gone, everything's great, isn't it? I'll tell you, I love Dale. Love him. 
And if you need a dentist, he's the man right there. First Thessalonians 5.13. Hold them in highest regarding love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. We need to spend time loving each other instead of hating each other. Caring about each other instead of destroying each other. People are paying attention and giving compliments. Activates the same reward center in our brain as paying them cash. Researchers have discovered in Japan... The study said, which appeared in the journal Neuron, it offers scientific support for that long-held assumption that people get a psychological boost from social approval as coming in the form of a sincere compliment or expression of appreciation. Sometimes, however, it's hard to receive those, is it not? Because we've been bombarded with how worthless we are. Charlie Myers was an assistant principal at the middle school for years and years and years. And Charlie Myers... Greatest guy you'd ever want to be around. But an ornery, oh my goodness, no wonder these, I don't know how these kids got through middle school with Charlie being the leader for You see, Lacey's a, you know, God bless her for turning out good. Hallelujah. But old Charlie, he'd, he'd walk up to every kid and say, you know, you're just worthless. You're the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, boy, he's building self-esteem now in these middle school kids, right? Acne breaking out and all that stuff. But you knew, you knew that he didn't mean a word of it. He meant just the opposite. You see what I'm saying? But we need to spend time talking about how wonderful we are. And about how great we are. And I'm so proud of each of you. And we need to talk about that. And be full of that. And be ready to share that. A fourth law is patience. You can't force a fish to take the bait. You've got to set the hook. And you've got to draw the net. You've got to be patient. And that's something I miss with Brother Don and Warren. I didn't, I just, I put it out there. I didn't know I had to do anything else to it. They were telling me, bring in the fish, preacher. It would help, you know. Old pole bent and go snap the pole. But be patient. And then the fifth law of fishing is perseverance. And also soul winning. You put up with the elements because there's going to be days when the fish aren't biting. There's going to be days when you take the Word of God into somebody and they won't receive it. Maybe you've already done that. They just won't receive it. Well, you don't quit. You just keep casting. What's that old song the Imperials used to sing? Verse of Scripture. You've got to keep on casting your bread upon the water. Soon it's going to come back home on every way. Yeah, that's it. You've got to keep on casting. So if you don't get it the first time, what do you do? Just quit? Throw up and quit? No, you keep going. You just keep going. You don't pull it in and say, I'm through. Three other things I want you to see from our text today. Number one, Jesus says, follow me. He, sh- he tells us the requirement. The requirement to be a fisherman is to follow him. And that's something that you and I must do. We must redirect our lives. We must develop a resolution related to that redirection. We must make a decision, in other words that we're going to be about that business. With email, with texting, there's just too many ways that you can share the message of Christ with people. Way too many. Don't let Satan tell you, ah, you can't do that. They're going to ask you a question you won't have an answer for. Excellent. If they ask you that question, say, hey, I don't know the answer, but give me till tomorrow and I'm going to find it. All right. Now you're cooking. Secondly, he says in verse 18, 
And straightway they forsook their nets and they followed him. So there's a requirement to have a relationship with him, to follow him, and then there should be a response that comes from that. And so sometimes that, that responding requires us to relinquish. We need to relinquish what we're doing, who we are. We need to get away from the TV. We need to get away from work. We need to get away from computers. We need to get away from certain things that are occupying our time. And we need to get out there and to share the good news with people. And you don't have to go in with a, a Bible 35 pounds and throw it on them. You don't have to do that. You just simply have to be real and genuine and let them see a change in you. And when, they're cha- when they see the change in you, then they're going to want to know what's going on. And then the third thing I see, the requirement, the response. Then in verse 17, he says, I will make you fishers of men. We see the result. We see the result. And that result is, is something that Jesus will do. Jesus will do. It's just as much a promise as it is in Acts 16 and verse 31 that says, They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. You see, the important thing is if we don't get a person saved, then what value has been our fishing? We need to fish for them. And then we need to lead them to the cross. And when we lead them to the cross, salvation can happen. And if a person's not saved because they've not believed in Christ, and if a person is not fishing for men, it's because they're not following Christ. The worship team comes to help me close. Paul Harvey, I put the quote there in your outline. Paul Harvey said, We have drifted away from being fishers of men to being keepers of the aquarium. We've created a hotel for the sanctified instead of being a hospital for the sick. Oh, that River Oaks, as Bob Moon shared with me a few weeks ago, he said, the preacher, I believe our church is an emergency room. (laughs) And I said, Bob, what do you mean by emergency room? He said, boy, they they come, they go, but they come here to find something, and we we help them find it, and they may leave us. We hope they stay, but they may leave us. And he said, we're just here to be rescuers. And I hope that never changes for us. I hope that that will always be with us. We have a young man that's been visiting, Trey Damon, and and Trey's overcome alcoholism, doing very well at it. God's opening more and more doors for him to share that that testimony, and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, Jim, I want you and Trey to get together. Trey, you'll be a great help to John. So uh, let's see what happens with that. But I guess the question of the hour is, have you landed a fish lately? (laughs) Have you landed any fish lately? We need to be about that business. Father, we ask you this morning to just simply move among us and do what you need to do. And Father, we need to be fisher of men. Fishers of men. But we can't be a fisher of men until we have a relationship with you. And Father, many of us have claimed that we have a relationship with you, but it's just kind of laid dormant and and we've become satisfied. Because we really don't want to go deeper. Because if we go deeper, then it means I've got to know more about you. And I've got to expose more of myself. And God, that's uncomfortable. But you know what? Heaven's coming soon. Your son Jesus' father is coming soon. And we need to be ready. As a bride adorned for the bridegroom. So Father, today, we're going to sing a song about surrender. Powerful song. And we pray, Father, that it will touch each life. And if there's someone here that needs to make a decision, they would have the courage to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we sing.